0: How's everybody doing? Good. All right. Um, Before we dive in today, I know Adam talked about the the annual celebration and business meeting coming up and how there's membership and the members get to vote on some things. So something that we get to do this morning that's actually special is um, acknowledge some new members that have just recently signed up and decided to um, join the membership here and call church their home. So if you were in class 101 with me um, a couple months ago and you signed up, I think there's four of you in here. I'd love for you to come up and join me on stage for a minute. Um, as well as if there's anybody here um, in service today that I know some people are hosting and doing things online. But yep, come on up, come on up. Yep, no hesitating. Let's go. Um, If you're um, on the board or you're uh, married to someone on the board or on staff, I'd love for you to join me up here as well and just come come gather right here and... so a lot of you may know, we've talked about membership in church, and what membership is, is this is not like um, a, a special social club where, where you have lots of perks. As a matter of fact, I tell people in this class, once you sign up for membership at church, you've lost all your free perks. And, uh, and what you've done is you've decided that this church, you, you come into 101, and 101 is where we go over all the church information, what we believe as a church, what our mission is here in, in Puyallup, and, and what our, our core beliefs are when it comes to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And if you take that class and you say, yes, I'm on board, I want to call this church home, I agree with everything you do, um, then they, they sign a membership covenant. And what that means is, like I said, freebies are gone, but they're all in. The, the church is the, the they agree with our mission and our vision. They want to be a part of what we're doing. And, um, and then on top of that, they get to vote on things like the annual budget and ratifying different decisions that we do here. So uh, joining us um, as members of the church, we have Josh and Mindy, and we have Peggy and Joyce. And um, it's been so fun to get to know you guys. And what I'd like for us to do is just... Um, we're gonna pray for them, and then after we pray, we're gonna clap and celebrate because this is fun. It's always fun when you when your family grows, right? And you know when when people when people have kids or new people come into a house, you don't go, "Oh, this is a new friend I made." Oh my gosh, let me introduce you. You know, it's it's always an exciting thing. So this is something we get to celebrate. We get to see what God is doing and how God is growing um, here at Celebration Church. Amen. And so, uh, would you pray with me this morning? God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the way you're working here at Celebration, the way you're working here in this city, God, and I thank you for these people that have uh, jumped on board and said this church is home. So, God, it's always, it's always fun celebrating uh, seeing you move in people's hearts, and it's always fun celebrating the growth of, of not just this church, but the church in the world as well. God, we love you. We love what you're doing, and again, we thank you, and we are just blessed to have these people join our church family here at Celebration. We thank you, we love you, and everybody said... Yeah. Would you do me a favor and just welcome everyone and give them a hand? Thank you for joining us. You're uh, happy. All right, <laughs> thank you so much. I promise I wasn't make him say anything. So you can have a seat. <laughs> Bring it in. If you guys don't know, um, Josh is my nerd buddy. I like to nerd out with things, and this is my buddy. <laughs> we play Pokemon. All right, there. all right? it happens. <laughs> If you guys could only see my comic book collection, okay? It's there. Um, this morning, we are going to come to a close on the book of James. It's been, uh, we've been in James for seven weeks now. And it's been a lot of fun really unpacking the message he's given to the church. And so if you have your Bibles or Bibles or whatever media you're reading your Bible on, uh, go ahead and turn to James chapter 5. And we're going to close out with another great message and lesson that, that he gives the people then that we all get to really apply today. Now, just as we, as we close out on James, I do want to let you know and, and say that I've only touched on, and even in seven weeks, I've only touched on James. There's so much more that this book has to offer, and I want to encourage you guys uh, to keep reading through it, go through it, go back and revisit things that maybe we've already read or talked about, because there's so much more in Scripture. And what I love about Scripture is you can read something one day and then come back to it on another day and learn something totally different from the exact same passage, so I want encourage you later to uh, go back through James and keep seeing what God can reveal to you as you go through the words that he wrote. And it's always amazing, um, I feel, that just what God speaks to you in Scripture. Now, James being, brings up today um, a rather touchy subject. It's one of those things where we've actually talked about this before, um, a little over a year ago, I think, but, but James puts another spin on it as well. He says, this is something that either you have an abundance of this or you have none of this at all. People know you for a person that is blessed with it, or you don't have it, and, and maybe you don't even want to ask for it, because you know what that's going to bring. If you have kids, this has been put to the test. If you have kids, maybe you've lost this. Maybe you've gained this. Maybe things aren't going well for you personally or professionally, and you turn into an entirely different person if you lose this. You guys know what I'm speaking about, right? Oh, you said that, so grown patience, yeah, right? Patience, the P word. So much of our life runs on, depends on, and goes through patience. And some of us, like I said, we either have this or we don't want it. Some people, maybe it's easy. Maybe you're, you're naturally a patient person. People can look at you and just, they know you have patience. You were blessed with patience. Or maybe you know, don't ask that person, they're going to lose it. Just a question can set someone off. We're going to see today why James says it's important for a number of reasons, but James also talks about things that we shouldn't do when it comes to patience, and we're going to unpack that as we go through his passage. The question really comes down to this, though. Patience, do you really want it? Now, in this hurry-up world, right, fast-paced technologies, two-day shipping for free with a lot of companies now, right, Um, I think the world has made it really, really easy to not have patience, we live in a fast place thing. Nobody wants to, nobody enjoys having to wait in line. When you go to the grocery store, what do you look for typically? Who has the shortest line? What line is moving? If you go to the, the DOO, the DMV, you know that your patients will be put to the test right away. When you, that light turns yellow, what do you do? You go through, you speed up, right? It, it, it says slow down, nobody slows down unless you're on Meridian where the traffic camera is, then you stop, right? Other than that, though, you speed through it. We don't like waiting for things. We don't like waiting for dinner. We don't like waiting for good things. We want what we want right now. As a matter of fact, here are some more fun statistics on patience. The average time it it takes for a web page to load before someone gets frustrated is 16 seconds. Yeah, we all say, but if you think about it right now, if you type google.com and it doesn't instantly pop up, you're immediately frustrated, right? The average American gets frustrated after waiting 25 seconds at a traffic light. When clicking on a movie to stream, people have admitted that they yell at their device at an average of 22 seconds after waiting. It takes 18 seconds to get frustrated when looking for a pen or pencil. <laughs> yeah, Even kids answered on that one, go get a pen or pencil, I don't know where it is, right? People are willing to wait four days for a handwritten letter to arrive, but only two days for an online order to arrive. And after getting off a flight, the average time before people get angry when waiting for luggage is 13 minutes. It's a lot of pressure on those people unloading that whole plane, getting it on the tarmac, right? But that's just, that's what we're accustomed to. And what's funny is as I was looking these up, I was totally, the the streaming one is because we we stream whatever we watch at home now. That's the one that got me because I know if I click and I see that little blue wheel spinning on my TV, I just go, oh. I have to wait another 10 seconds for this thing to load. And then it starts and it's blurry because it's not you know, done buffering yet. It's just, I get impatient watching things. But we all have things that we get impatient for. Waiting is not something people like to go do. And patience is not something that we like to exercise. So honesty check. Who here would say, I am not blessed with patience? All right. Some of you guys just gave me a disgusted look. You expect me to raise my hand for that? Well. No. Yes. Now, I believe in Scripture, we, I think some of our greatest life lessons can be learned when it comes to learning to wait, when it comes to seeing what God has to do with our patience. Waiting can be a hard school to be in, but when we see God do incredible things in Scripture on those who wait for him, we can get really encouraged when we understand what it means to wait on God, what it means to wait for what he has for us, and ultimately understanding the plan and what we're learning in those long pauses that we have when we feel like we're waiting on God for something. And we'll see when we get started here in James chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 7 today. He addresses this issue of patience amongst his people. So James 5, verses 7 through 11, it says this. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. So we, seems here, we see James here talking about how important it is to have patience, and he uses this great visual of farmers in their field, right? Now, I don't know who here gardens or has a garden or a farm where you do things, but, but farming and gardening takes a large amount of patience, a lot of work and a lot of patience to see those crops grow and start to produce the fruit or the vegetables that you're, you're planting. Now, if you're like me, um, I like to, when we plant our garden, I go to Costco, Costco has those tomato plants that are like three quarters of the way done already, right? You put those things in, and then on top of that, I will buy the early girl tomatoes. Those tomatoes are like guaranteed from seed to plant. You're getting fruit in 40 days. And so if you buy the Costco one, you're like 20 days away plant that thing, you water it, you're good to go. I don't want to wait for all the, the, the fruit to start to grow. Now, when it comes to patience in general, though, I know it's, it's fun talking about how I don't have patience when it comes to planting things. I just I want to see the vegetables and the fruit and the things grow. In general, I do have a lot of patience. Um, my wife has, has said that about me, that I'm, I'm a very patient person. Um, I, I can tolerate quite a bit when it comes to, to people or kids and things. And I don't often think much of it. I just, I just have a lot of patience. But I do know That my patience was 100% put to the test when my second child was born. Child number one got all the grace. Child number two gets all the hair pulling. Like, why are you not doing this? Avery, my six-year-old, has used up lots of my patience, as I hear lots of second children do. Um, Does anybody here have multiple kids? Yeah, maybe you can relate to that. You know, just the, the second kid. You know, that that's when the patience you know started to wear thin. And for me. Um, oh, how many of you are a younger a younger sibling? You are the younger child, yeah. So this is you, right? You you use up your parents' patience. For me, I was number seven of the 15 kids at home. I can only imagine my mom's a saint, right? <laughs> the patience she had or did not have, and we're all still you know she didn't she didn't end any of our lives, at least that she told us about. But. Patience, and we we put patience to the test. People put our patience to the test. A really good friend of mine, one of my best friends in California, openly admits and says he has no patience. None, it's gone, and he doesn't want it. So he and I would lead, if you were on the Mexico trip this year, you met him, but he and I, whenever we would do missions things or church stuff together, if it was my turn to pray, I would always ask God to give him patience. And he would always give me the dirtiest look at the end. Because he would say, you know, since you asked that, he's going to give me an opportunity now where I have to show patience. And I was just like, I know, and it's going to be so fun. (laughs) James addresses this for a very specific reason, though. It's not just the patience for the sake of being patient. He's talking about his Christ followers in this time of persecution. There was times where they could run, times where they could flee, and a time where they had to do action. And also a time where they had to have patience and see what God was going to do in the midst of their trials. In dealing with the real fear, the, the, the very present feeling of people running and hiding and quitting, James was saying, hey, stand firm, have patience. He knows that their life was hard. I know today that our life does get hard. Sometimes we go through trials and physical attacks and spiritual attacks and even at a point where it makes us want to quit. And sometimes we just have to pump the brakes and say, I'm just going to wait for a second. I just need to wait and see what God is doing in this moment. James challenges us to not just be patient, but also to stand strong because he knows it's worth it. And I believe that through Scripture, we see many things about patience, how what it reveals to us about ourselves, what it reveals to us about others, and ultimately, how sometimes a lack of patience can reveal the monster in people. You guys ever met someone like that? You know they don't have patience and it's going to reveal the monster. Maybe it'll look something like this. Check this out. How many of you would have thrown the phone earlier than she did? Uh, yeah, a few of you like, yep, yep, we're throwing that. <laughs> Patience can reveal the monster in people. Patience is very, very revealing, and James does a lot of revealing, I think, when it comes to his talk and his stance on patience. And one of the first things that I know patience reveals, patience reveals our attitude. Patience will reveal your attitude. Now, like I said, I, I have a lot of patience. When I was younger, I had no patience I was known for being the very impatient one in the family. I would lose my temper really, really fast, and I would get frustrated when things weren't happening quickly. Um, As a matter of fact, whenever we went out to eat, when we ordered food, I was always the first one to ask, Why is this taking so long? When is the food going to be here? And it would be like two minutes after the waitress or waiter walked away. I wanted it instantly, and my parents would sing a wonderful song that some of you may know Have patience, have patience. There it is. Don't be in such a hurry. Remember, remember. Oh, sorry. When you get impatient, you only start to worry. Remember, remember that God is patient too. And then the kick line, right? Think about the times when someone had to wait for you. Now, uh, a couple of years ago, when I was uh, pastoring in California, um, I, I did a talk on patience, and it's no—you I, I, can't make this up. The day before the talk, we went to um, San Francisco with some friends of ours, and we had this fun day on the beach where we renewed their wedding vows on a beach in San Francisco, and we went out to eat at this restaurant called The Char House, and it was, it was a steakhouse that overlooked the, the water, the bay, and it was just a beautiful place. And so we made reservations to go there. Uh, my friend Jake did. He made reservations. He was super excited. We just renewed his wedding vows. We're all at this restaurant. And as we're walking through Pier 39, where this restaurant was, we got to a reservation about 20 minutes early. So we were super excited, you know, we went in and checked in and said, hey, this is the, the, party, the Wallace party of six, we're all here early, and they said, okay, go have a seat in the waiting room, we'll let you know when it's your turn. So like, great, so we go and we're in the waiting room and we're, we're not bored, we're playing cards and they had a fun little waiting room set up and we're just having a fun time and then it starts realizing, all right, our reservation time has passed. All right, now it's 10 minutes past. Now it's 15 minutes past. At at one point, we realized it's 30 minutes past our reservation time. So so another one of my friends went up to the counter, and he goes, I'll go check out what's going on. So we're just kind of goofing off, and we see him up there. And when we see him talking to the people behind the counter, we see their faces in kind of a panic, and we see him, who is normally a really happy guy, all of a sudden stern, and we're like, my friend Jake and I were like, this is not good. They're not having a good conversation right now. And so... He comes back and he goes, hey, so they said that um, they don't take reservations here. It's just um, first come, first serve, and they'll sit you as normal. And, and Jake was like, but I have a reservation. I did it through their website. I have the confirmation number. So he starts pulling this up, and then we go back up to the counter, and they say, yeah, sorry, we're, it's a busy night, first come, first serve. So, said, but we have reservations. No, we don't take reservations here. What do you mean? So now our patients now went, went from, hey, having fun, to we want our table now. And they told us there was nothing they could do. We just had to wait. So we were getting really, really frustrated. We asked for a manager. The manager didn't want to come out and talk to us. And um, we were we were not being nice. You know, so we were, we were frustrated. And then finally, someone comes over and says, I can take you to their, your table now. So we're like, finally. So we get to this table, and there's six of us, and it's a table set for four. We're like... This doesn't even have enough people for us. And the the server who was with us I felt sorry for this kid. He he was probably eighteen or nineteen years old. He was a young guy, and we were just like, "What's going on?" And he goes, "This is the table I was told to bring you to." Like it doesn't even have enough people. Then I look over and I see a table of eight in the corner, that's empty. I said, "Hey, that table is empty. Can we sit there?" He goes, "I'm sorry, that table's reserved." <laughs> I remember at that moment going ah, and pointing at him, and he he goes. and just walks away. And that about set us off right at that point. We're like, I thought, all the sarcastic words, I thought you don't take reservations. Can we just go sit there? And then the manager did come out and brought two place settings and we sat down and we were so frustrated. And of course, in that moment, we're like, there goes the tip. It's gone already. Needless to say, our server was awesome. And we had a fun time. But as we were sitting there, kind of joking, but still kind of the serious points of, can you believe this just happened? We had to wait for this. They looked at me and they said, aren't you talking about patience tomorrow in church? (laughs) Mm. Yep. As funny as that was, I couldn't help but feel conviction in that moment. The very thing I was preparing to talk about was the very thing that was put to the test in that moment, and I had bombed that test badly. You see, what I learned from Scripture and looking on times like these is patience reveals ultimately our attitude. Proverbs 15, 18 says, A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient can calm a quarrel. When We boil right down to it. Our, our attitude, whether it's a good one or a bad one, is revealed by when we show an abundance of or a lack of patience. Joyce Meyer said this, Patience is the ability to have a good attitude while you are waiting. And how true is that? Have a good attitude while you're waiting. Waiting doesn't stir up the best attitudes because once we start to wait, our attitude can quickly go down the drain. We lose patience with the person or the thing and it changes the way that we're thinking. It changes the way we act. It changes the way we talk to each other. Everything about the interaction totally changes and it stirs up that conflict. Patience will reveal your attitude. Patience will also reveal your heart. Ephesians 4.2 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. What's great about patience is this is one of the fruits of the spirit. When when Paul wrote the Galatians, he said this is what will come out of your life with the more you're putting Jesus into it. And patience is one of those things that is supposed to flow from our hearts. In Ephesians, he also wrote and emphasized that patience with each other is directly related to bearing with one another in love. Ultimately, again the theme in James we see in every book, it comes from your heart. When we're able to wait on each other, let God do work in that heart. When we're able to wait on God, showing him that we trust him and that our hearts are designed or lined up with the desires of his heart, we see the patience growing and the patience brewing and the fruit from it. James talks about waiting patient, waiting and patience. And he says to wait on the Lord's coming in this. But, and we're going to go more onto that as we go back to the, the end part of James here. But ultimately, he's showing our heart's desire our hearts' desires to each other and to Jesus stems from having this attitude of patience. And thirdly, patience will reveal our maturity. If you've ever seen a child, if you have a child, you've experienced it, they throw that tantrum when they don't get what they want right away. Um, oftentimes, you see other people's kids doing it in the grocery store. Sometimes it's your kid, and you realize, I'm that person. I'm now that person with the kid who I said no to the candy bar, and they put those candy bars right when you're in line trying to get out of the store. And they just throw a fit. You see someone lose their patience and suddenly words fly out of their mouth or maybe words fly out of your mouth that you know you shouldn't have said at that point. He goes, a slip of the tongue. And we talked all about the tongue a couple weeks ago. We say it in some pretty serious anger because our maturity is being tested with maybe our lack of patience. And I think this is a testament to how we are let God ultimately flowing through and work in our hearts. Galatians 5, to 23 lists all the fruits of the Spirit. And there's, these are evidence that Jesus is working and he's the one that's flowing through your heart. Our ability to wait on others, our ability to wait on God and trusting him and believing in him for something, I think directly relates to our maturity in Jesus. The amount of the fruit pouring from our heart, especially patience, relates to our maturity with Jesus. And I think those three things we learn are important, and they really emphasize what I want to break down as three major themes that I think we get from this passage. And the first is really, really straightforward. No, no twists, no reveals, no like, oh, wow moments. The first thing we learn from James, straightforward. Are you ready? Be patient. Plot twist, right? James says it straight up from the beginning. James 5, 7, be patient. Paul speaks about it. James speaks about it. We find it in many places in Scripture, the the abundance and the rewards of being patient. But like we know, it's not easy, especially when you need something now. You know you want it now. You need that website to load now. Kids will never understand what we had to go through waiting 10 minutes for the internet to load. And then when somebody picked up the phone when you were on the internet... And yeah, you you know the groans. Kids are there like, what? Yeah, you'll never understand it. When we have to wait for something, we need to understand this is a chance to show and live and learn patience. Sometimes we don't get to get what we want now. We don't get it in this moment. We have to learn to wait for it. If something isn't happening as fast as we want to, sometimes, I know I'm guilty of this, if there's something that you know you need it to get done and it's not happening at the speed you want, you jump in and do it. Maybe you even ask someone else to help you with it, but you can't wait on them anymore. So you just go in and do it because you know what needs to be done. You know how to get it done fast and you're gonna do it better than they could anyways. So you jump in and you do it. But sometimes we do the same thing when it comes to us waiting on God for something. We say, all right, God, I know I need to wait for this, but I need this now. And so we jump in and we do it and we just we, we falter on this point of having patience and waiting on him. Sometimes we need to understand that we need to be able to wait for something. We have to put ourself aside, put our own desire aside. And ultimately what we do, when we put ourselves aside and we say, all right, God, I'm going to be patient, I'm going to wait, what that really is doing is that's practicing seeking him first. Practicing patience and waiting on God is practicing seeking him first because you're putting his desires above your desire to do it now. Lamentations 325 says, The Lord is good to those who wait on him, to the person who seeks him. A constant theme, I talk about this a lot, is that God's timing is so good. God's timing is so perfect. And God's timing is always, always, always better than our timing. Every single time. We can trust and know that even as we wait, God's timing is perfect because he's working on things. God doesn't just tell us to wait and then do nothing. God does so many things that we don't even see. He can orchestrate and work behind the scenes in ways that we don't see until something comes to fruition. God is always working. It's like the song says, even when I don't see it, you're moving. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. He's working together all things for our good, like it says in Romans 8. But as we, as we eagerly await his provision, as we wait for his words to come through and his action steps to happen, we have to keep, we have to keep our eyes on him and we have to trust that he's got the timing down. We have to listen for his voice. We have to listen for his direction and trust that he's got it, that he will always fulfill his end. And when we do that, our relationship with him grows deeper and stronger because the trust is building. The more we practice on waiting on Jesus, the more we train to completely trust his timing and ultimately we're saying that he is number one. And I think uh, when, when i raise my raising my daughters, there's some fun things I get to do with them, but they have to wait for me to do these things. Uh, for example, we have on Saturdays, we have chocolate milk and donut breakfast. That's on Saturdays. That's just something we established when they were little, something we always do. And what's funny is their favorite donuts are the little Hostess chocolate donuts. They would taste like wax, but those are their favorite ones. They love those things. And so I'll go to the store and buy a bag of those. They know where they are. They can reach the donuts. They know where the milk is. They know where the Nesquik is. They could very easily, if they wanted to, go and do that whenever they wanted, but they know they have to wait for me. They know that If they do that without me, what's going to happen? They will lose it. That's something that we do on Saturday is when everybody's home, they they get to sleep in and we wake up together as a family. This is something we get to do for fun on a Saturday morning, chocolate milk and donuts. If they were to do this on their own, though, they would lose it. They have to wait for mom and dad to come and do this with them. Now, why do I only do it one day a week? Lord knows I would love chocolate milk and donuts every single day. (laughs) And they would too. But I also know if I just give them garbage to eat every single meal all the time, it's not gonna do well for them. It won't be good. I want them to learn that they can wait on something special and have a have a fun treat one one day a week or even at special times. We'll do it at other times. It's not just Saturdays. There may be days where they they did something amazing the night before. I was like, hey, tomorrow we're gonna celebrate. We're gonna have an extra donut day this week. But I know better than they know how the human body works, how they will react. Sometimes, you know, as parents, you have to cut kids off from the sweet treats. Stop eating that, you're gonna get a stomach ache because they don't understand those limits yet, but we know. They have to wait for me to give the okay to do things because I know what's best in a lot of ways. Same principle with God. He knows what's best. He knows if if we say, God, I want this, and he says, wait, because if I do this now, it can lead to things that you're not ready for yet. You're not prepared for these things I have for you, so you have to wait for his timing. We can have the same conversation with God, but God, I want it now. I want the milk and donuts right now. And God's saying, just wait. I have stuff for you. Just wait. When we're waiting, we trust his plan. We trust his purpose. Something we don't understand in the moment can get revealed later, and we're trusting he is the one that will reveal it. Patience in God shows that we're relying on him for his strength. We're relying on him for his revealing and him for his strength. God invites us into his purpose. He gives us power to show strength to the weary. He gives gives strength to the weary. He he gives knowledge to those who, who ask for wisdom, to people who want it. He gives them so many things, but yet sometimes we still grow weary and we still grow tired, right? We see strong, able-bodied men stumble and fall. But Scripture says if you wait on the Lord, if you wait on the Lord, then what happens? He renews your strength. It's not, I give you strength so you can go, 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 go on your own. He says, I give you strength so you can wait on me and I can lift you up to even greater heights. But you've got to wait on him. Wait on the Lord and be renewed. It says that they will run and not get tired, mount up on wings like eagles. They will walk and not become weary. And that's Isaiah chapter 40. But just as, as God deepens our relationship with him through times of, of waiting, it grows our reliance on him above ourselves. This also increases, I think, our energy. It increases our faith. It increases our endurance. It increases our strength. These are all things I think God wants us to grow in. But, but as anybody knows, even if you, if, you do a, uh, if you do a health challenge or you start working out or doing, doing things to make yourself physically better, it takes patience and perseverance, and you've got to work through a lot of things. It takes strength and endurance to wait on God. But I love that it's a promise that he says, if you wait on me, I will renew you. I will lift you up. I will make you stronger if you wait on me. Along with, being, along with uh, being patient in verse 8, we learned that we need to be persistent. Be persistent. Uh, for me, patience is standing persistently on the word of God as promised. I think the hardest part about waiting is the fact that we don't know his timing. But if you knew his timing, would it make the waiting easier? It's a good question, right? If you knew the timing, would it make the waiting easier? It's like when, when, you, when you make a vacation plan and you know the vacation is coming... How many of you guys wish the vacation was like right now? Like you're like, all right, we planned a vacation for a few months out. I just want it now. I want it now. But we get to eagerly be persistent and wait on that. You get excited waiting for that moment, right? We can persistently be excited and waiting for what God is going to do. We can do things as we wait. We don't have to give up or give in. We can wait and be active as well. Being patient does not mean, it does not mean you sit back and do Nothing. Make that very clear. Patience does not mean you do nothing. Sometimes people can, can hear that. You know, stand firm and be patient. That means I'm just gonna do nothing about it now. Let me say, you know what, God, I gave it to you. I will never think or act on this again. James isn't saying that. He's not saying do nothing. He's saying wait on God's timing and trust God as you are preparing yourself for it. It can be so easy to say I'm not going to do it, but I think God has so many things for us to do in the meantime. Going back to the example of fa- uh, farmers waiting on the rain. Farmers, especially in this time, they didn't have control, a lot of control. They didn't have the automatic drip watering lines that we have today. I'm going to tell my machine to water my lawn for 10 minutes this morning and let it go. They didn't have that. A lot of times they, had, they were totally subject to the elements around them, and they knew crops were going to get watered when it rained, and they were able to store water and then use that to, to water their plants. There were things they could do, but there were also things they had to wait on. But while they were waiting, what they were not doing is saying, I'm gonna go home now and it's not harvesting season so I just gotta wait till it rains. <laughs> they wouldn't do that. In those times they had to till the dirt. They had to take seeds from other, other plants and things they had grown and learn how to, uh, to preserve those seeds so they'd be ready for the next season. There was a lot of prep work to do so when the rain did come and the season came, they were ready to get at it and go for what they could plant and have their fields and harvest grow. It was a very active waiting form of patience. If they just sat back and waited, did not prepare, were not getting themselves ready for what was going to come, they would miss out on the whole season. They would be unprepared and they would blow their chance. In our hard times, when we're suffering and going through trials, when we ask God for for help and strength, we need to remember that doesn't mean stop doing anything. It doesn't mean sit back and say, God, I will do nothing about this now. I'm just going to wait for you to show up. I think God tells us, no, there are still steps we need to take. There are still things we can do to prepare ourselves spiritually, emotionally, physically for whatever it is that he is going to do to answer our prayers. When he steps in, we can be ready for it if we're actively waiting. And what does that look like? That means continue going to your Bible study. Continue spending time with God. Continue praying for it. Continue seeking out solutions. Continue getting advice from people that you know and love and trust. Keep doing your part. Don't give up. And when you do those things and when you keep fighting for it and you're trusting that God is going to help you through it, one day when he says, here's what I have for you, you're ready. You say, God, I actively was seeking you and now I see why I had to wait. Now I see how I grew in this time of waiting. And now your blessing is that much more powerful because I'm ready for this. And God gives it in his perfect timing. In the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah has this daunting task of rebuilding a wall of Jerusalem when it had been totally ransacked and destroyed by the Babylonians. The people were taken away as slaves. Nehemiah had this heart to go back and build. And so what did he do? He didn't just say, God, one day when we're free, I'll go rebuild that wall. God, one day when this king, when I'm not a slave to this king, someday I'll go rebuild it. You know what Nehemiah did? He said, God... You've put it on my heart to rebuild this wall. And then he went and asked the king for permission to no longer be a slave. How bold is that? He went to the king and said, I need to go. I need to go back to my native homeland. I need to rebuild this wall. And when he did, God only not, gave, not, not only did God give him favor with the king, he got men, he got supplies, he got resources, and he got an army to build and protect this wall. You see, he didn't just wait and say, God, whenever it happens, it happens. He said, God, I want this to happen. I know your timing is perfect. And he went to the king, and God made all these things happen. Nehemiah was patient, but he was active at the same time in trusting what God did. Nehemiah 4, 7 through 9 says this. Oh, before I, before I read that. When they were building this wall, they also were about to get attacked. There were people that didn't like the fact that they were starting to rebuild the walls, and there were people that were saying, is this the right thing? Should we retreat? What are we supposed to do? Should we stop? Should we just be patient and stop the rebuild for a while until these armies go away? And this is what it says, Nehemiah 4, 7 through 9. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted to come together to fight against Jerusalem and stir trouble against it, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet his threat. I love the example right here at the very end. Nehemiah prayed and posted a guard. It wasn't, it wasn't the, all right, God, I prayed, and now I'm stepping back, and if they attack us, we're just, oops. <laughs> they, they said, God, we're gonna pray, and we will do something, and we're trusting that you're in the midst of all this. It wasn't a sit back and do nothing. It was an active step they took. They trusted God, and that didn't mean do nothing. It meant be diligent, stand fast, be patient, move ahead, forward, and trust God always. Isaiah speaks of this in, verse, in chapter 64. He says, the God who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. I love that because that's such a good promise. The God who acts on when we wait for him. Think about this. I think about this every time something's happening. You have the greatest mediator in the universe working on your behalf. You have the the being, the God, who is the embodiment of love working on your behalf. Even when things seem to be going wrong, he's the one that makes sure all things are working together to glorify him. All things are working together. And those little things, the things that seem big to us, those can be such little things when God's involved. It can be one of the most difficult things in our life and our walk with God, waiting on him, especially when you're struggling or suffering. Know though, when you're struggling, when you're suffering, when you're going through these hard times, that is not wasted time. That's not God abandoned you time. That's faith growing time. That's perseverance time. That is time where you get to see your strength go to a place where maybe you never knew it could go because you were totally relying on him to be the one that gives it to you. He can use this time to sift your motives, to, to work on your heart, to, to strengthen you in ways and even break you down in others. Sometimes when, when God is working on it, you're, you're like that, that, that sculpture where you see the, the, the sculptor chiseling away at things. Sometimes God does that with us. We, we, sometimes we have to wait and just let him chisel away these things because he is forming a perfect thing for you. Think of that. Waiting persistently and courageous on God is like planting that garden. Put a seed under it. Water it and then you wait, and then you wait, and then you wait. And maybe the first time you ever grew a garden, the very first time you saw that hill of dirt, that little green sprout come through, it was one of the happiest things ever because you, the patience was like, it's finally, finally happening. Theologian and pastor Charles Spurgeon said this on faith. If our faith be worth anything, it will stand the test. Guilt is afraid of fire, but gold is not. The paste gem dreads to be touched by the diamond, but the true jewel fears no test. It is a poor faith which can only trust God when friends are true, the body full of health and the business profitable. But that is true faith which holds by the Lord's faithfulness when the friends are gone, the body is sick, when spirits are depressed, and the light of our Father's countenance is hidden. Persistently steadfast, that is the patience to waiting. And the last thing, I'll close with this. Patience shows us to be praisers. Be praisers. It's really hard to praise when you're impatient. Really hard to be positive when you're impatient, right? But patience will cause us to be praisers. James 5, 9 through 12 says, Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. And we all know this line, right? Patience is a virtue, right? We're all familiar with that cliche. And many of us know, like I said, that patience is listed in the fruits of the Spirit. There's no disputing that we ought to be patient. There's no disputing that this is a good thing, that we have to have patience. Patience is waiting without complaining. But patience doesn't just allow us to to say good, good things for us, allow us to grow ourselves. I believe patience allows us to lift others up, even when it's hard. We can see things going so well for others sometimes, right? Sometimes you know, we, we say, "God, I really need this happening in my life," and then you look at someone else and things are going really well in their life, like, "Wow, this is really, really happening for them, and you can look back and say, "God, but what about me? <laughs> God, I, I see you working on on Joe here, but what about what about me it 's my turn. But when we have patience, and we understand what patience does in our hearts we then get to not only praise God for what he's doing in our life and how he's growing up, but we get to praise people as well and say, God, this is so good. This is happening for you. And we get to be encouragers and motivators for people when things are really working out for them. We get to come alongside people and share in their joy all the while learning how to grow in our patience as well. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, we urge you brothers to admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. Be patient with everyone. Man, that everyone word just pops out in Scripture sometimes, right? Love everyone, help everyone, be patient with everyone. Man, everyone. We've got to be patient with everyone. Lifting others up when it's hard. It's something I know that I have to grow into. But if we really grasp on what God can do is his timing, although it's hard, I think patience can be one of the most exciting things for us. Like I said, when you, when, you, when you plan that vacation, You expectantly wait for that day to come. You get excited. You plan for it. You prepare for it. Relate that to what God has been, you're waiting on God for. We get to excitingly wait for what God is doing in our lives. Not a begrudgingly, God is it today, but more of a God is it today. God, what are we gonna do today? How are we gonna grow in this today? And even if it doesn't happen today, you get to say, God, what are we gonna do tomorrow? God, how can, how can I keep growing in this tomorrow? What do I get to wait on tomorrow? And when we shift our mindset like that, we see patience, not only is it a virtue, patience really is a blessing. Patience really is a blessing because it puts more of the focus and the desires on him and not us. I'd like to invite the worship team up. And I wanna, uh, wanna close with a, a verse in Psalms. Psalms chapter 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on the rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. That passage then goes on to talk about all the many blessings we receive that when it, we show patience. And that can almost sound self-serving, but when you, when you understand that these blessings are coming from someone who is waiting on God, then it makes sense. It makes sense for the redeemed to praise the redeemer. It makes sense for the delivered to praise the deliverer. It makes sense for the, the one who is loved to give praise to the one who is the ultimate lover of your souls. This psalm was a new song that God put in David's mouth. The suffering, which is the waiting, the persistently and patiently waiting, is a servant of God, is always the singing one. David talks about his psalms and his patience in a singing way, and I love that even when he talks about patience, he sings about it. I don't know when the last time, besides it was someone singing you the Have Patience song or singing me that Have Patience song, when was the last time we sang and praised God for patience? I think that's something we can all change and shift and see how God will work in our hearts and also in those around us. Amen? Would you all stand with me? We've got to be careful not to try and rush God's timing. We never know who or what he's protecting us from or who or what he is preparing for us. But I do know this, the waiting doesn't last forever. God always follows through. We need to be persistent. We need to be patient. We need to be praisers. And remember, when we're waiting for God, don't count the days. Make those days count. Don't count the days. Make those days count and see what he can do. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that, um, God, I thank you for for patience. It's not something I think we, we, we often praise enough about or, or give credit to, but God, it, it does so many things for us it shows so much about who we are and how we need to grow and I pray for all of us in here and some of them may hate me for saying this God but I pray for more patience for all of us and whatever aspect in life that we're struggling in right now where we're saying I just need this now God I pray that you you allow us to wait for your timing you allow us to seek your timing do the steps do what action steps you've called us to do what we need to do but ultimately we wait and trust on your provision for these things God So, God, I pray that we grow in this, that people see our hearts growing towards you, God, and that as we show patience to each other, ultimately that shows people who you are and shows people your love. So, God, we thank you, we love you, and everybody said, amen.